Welcome to SBC This Week. I'm Brandon Porter. I'm Laura Erlinson. And we are still not Jonathan Howe no, and Amy we Whitfield. Are not. Yeah. Laura, this is episode number 447 of SBC This Week. And for us, it's, it's number just two. Number two. But That's we're right. catching up. We are. We're getting there. We're, we're coming as quickly as we can. Yes. I right? think we're off to a great start. Yeah. In this episode of the podcast, we have some um, fun things to share with folks. This is the kickoff weekend for college football. That's right. And My Florida Gators kick it off on Thursday night, which we are recording this on Thursday. So yeah. when this releases on Friday, I guess we will know the results of that, but we don't know yet. That's right. So, so there's still hope. <laughs> there is. <laughs> We're playing Utah. I hope there's hope. Okay. All right. Well, if you didn't know that there was a BP Sports, there is a BP Sports. There is. And so um, a little later in this podcast, we're going to hear from George Schroeder about a brand new podcast that he's hosting um, called The the Gridiron and the Gospel, right? Yes. And it is exactly those two things. They talk about college football and they talk about the gospel. They've done already in just a few episodes, some really compelling interviews with people about football and about how it has affected their faith and it's it's really a great listen yeah so look forward to hearing from george Mm -hmm. um in our history moment we're going to talk to you about why folks were keeping a close watch on the water the slimy water in their church's baptistries a few decades (laughs) ago so i know you'll want to stick around for that as well Um, of course we're going to have some news headlines in just a moment first though we want to let you know that our sponsors for this episode are the hill It's a true life story of professional baseball player Ricky Hill, who grew up poor in small town Texas. Early on, Ricky discovers his extraordinary ability to hit a baseball. But with leg braces and a degenerative spinal disease, the major leagues were just a dream that could never be. Courageously, Ricky, the son of a preacher, risk it all, wrestles with his father's wish that he becomes a pastor and eventually tries out for a major league scout and ends up in the big leagues. The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn is a true inspirational story about family, faith, and a baseball miracle. Uh, It's now in its second weekend at the box office, and it's set to surpass $3 million this weekend. That is. Yeah. So, uh, so Laura and her family have seen that. We'll talk about that in just one more minute. But I want to tell you first about a new sponsor we have here at SBC this week, and that is Subsplash. Pastors, you know, are constantly concerned with how to engage their church and build connections beyond just what happens on the weekend. One of the valuable tools that SBC churches have found for doing that is Subsplash. Subsplash allows your community to access messages, resources, and even give from one place. It also equips church leaders to connect with their congregation in ways you could never have before. Subsplash is so much more than just a church software. It brings people together empowers giving, fosters discipleship, and it even helps to transform lives. If you're interested in learning more, then you should go book a demo at subsplash.com forward slash SBC. When you use that specific URL or that link, you'll get a special discount for your church, but you have to use that link for the discount. It's subsplash.com forward slash SBC. Now, Laura, let's circle back here before we get into headlines to the hill. Yeah, I said last week that I was going to take my family to see that last Friday night, opening night, and we did, and it was great. Uh, Dennis Quaid, of course, is fantastic. He puts in a fantastic performance as a Southern Baptist pastor in the 1950s to 1970s era, and the acting is great. The storyline is great. We really, really enjoyed it, and it was fun to watch it with my, especially my 
seven-year-old, now actually today is his eighth birthday, mm-hmm. my eight-year-old son, who loves baseball, and just to kind of hear him silently cheering this kid on as he's learning how to hit the ball as far as he can, and mm-hmm. it's sort of a phenomenon, this boy with braces on his legs who can hit a baseball just like in the next county. It's kind of amazing, and it's a true story, and so it was, it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Laura, let's get on to some headlines. These are stories that, that we have covered here at Baptist Press this week. And so uh, first, we want to talk about the investigation launched uh, by the executive committee. The, the reason that, that Jonathan specifically is not on the podcast is mm-hmm. because he is now the um, interim president and CEO of the executive committee. Mm-hmm. And the EC has launched an investigation um, into looking for details of what happened uh, with w- Willie McClear and that, that led to his resignation um, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, so Baptist Press submitted a list of questions August 25th to EC leadership. And we were told by an EC spokesperson that the questions we asked are very similar to the ones that the EC board members are already asking. And so we expect that at their board meeting next month that they will um, talk about what they have found and that whatever information can be made public will be made public at that time. Um, the meeting, the EC meeting is scheduled, of course, for September 18th and 19th here in Nashville. Okay. All right. So we'll keep you up to date on that as it develops. Um, all right. In uh, Southern Baptist world, we, we have lots of task forces these days. We do. Uh, the Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force issued an update on Thursday at their website. Uh, we were able to talk not only to the new chairman of that committee, Josh Wester, but some other folks as well. And so, Laura, tell us some things that, that have happened since Southern Baptist gathered in New Orleans this summer. Right. So we announced just a few weeks ago that the ARITF did have a new chairman with the uh, stepping down of Marshall Blaylock, who had been leading that committee. Bart Barber named Josh Wester, he's a North Carolina pastor, to chair that committee. And Wester confirmed to Baptist Press that the group did meet uh, August 28th Mm -hmm. for the first time since they've had new membership changes and some people had stepped down, other members had come on. So they have met all together for the first time. And coming out of that meeting, they released a statement on a website. And this is a URL that is not as familiar, maybe. And so this is one that maybe we want to remember, sbcabusepreventioncom And the statement that they released says that since the annual meeting, task force members have met with a lot of people. They've had a lot of meetings with SBC entity leaders, state convention leaders, association leaders. And the goal is to just make uh, sexual abuse prevention a family effort, Mm. um, sort of a universal effort in the Southern Baptist world. And so I think maybe the biggest announcement coming out of the statement that they released is that they are beginning to vet the names to be included in a database of accused abusers. Yeah. So they receive those names uh, mostly through the hotline, right? Uh, the SBC sexual abuse hotline. But those names are limited to those with criminal convictions or civil judgments or things like that. But they're now working on trying to include the names from the other two categories, which are those that have confessed mm-hmm. in some kind of a non-privileged setting and those that are, quote, credibly accused Uh, Melissa Bowen is a member of the task force, and she's also an attorney in Alabama. And she said the database wouldn't be complete without the names in the credibly accused category, because only about 3% of sexual abuse cases are result in any kind of criminal conviction. And so she said they are really trying to make that happen. They're setting up a network of experts to evaluate the reports and try to determine uh, legally what they can include in that database 
Um, so check out sbcabusepreventioncom It's also going to be sort of the clearinghouse, the one-stop st- shop, I guess, for all uh, abuse-related resources for churches and the ministry toolkit there. So okay, so the, the, the important today. things to take away from that as the fall moves on is that the names that will be added to the database now mm-hmm. are those who it's limited to those first two criteria, right. right? Criminal those, conviction mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or a civil judgment. That's right against the person. So so that's important to to know. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of discussion about that, and then it's also important, I think, to come back and to say. The reporting mechanism remains the same, which is the hotline. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are working. They said in their announcement today on another portal for organizations to use, like churches or local associations or things of that nature. Um, we're not quite sure what that'll look like yet, but they're working on that. Okay, uh, a, a ministry toolkit is there at that website, and that is um, sbcabusepreventioncom It's a long URL, so remember that sbcabusepreventioncom You can check it out and see the resources that are already there for churches. All right, so shifting. Uh, last week we talked quite a bit about Maui and the devastating fires there. Since then, we have really realized that we are fully in hurricane season mm. as the Gulf Coast and even the Southeast has endured Hurricane Idalia. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so far three, uh, actually four uh, states have deployed disaster relief units that we know of. Send Relief has re- uh, told us today, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and North Carolina are setting up response sites, feeding units, things of that nature throughout the Big Bend region of Florida where Idalia hit initially and then also throughout South Georgia where it continued even as a category two storm even through South Georgia. Georgia Baptist DR Director Dwayne Carter told the Christian Index that they have deployed mobile kitchen crews, heavy equipment operators, chainsaw teams, chaplains, family care volunteers, laundromats, shower units, basically the whole gamut of DR relief things um, Georgia Baptists are doing there. And the Valdosta Ministry Center, the mm-hmm. Send Relief Center there in, in South Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, has also utilized their mobile kitchen to feed first responders and will continue to operate that over the next few days. As of Thursday morning, uh, only 30% of people in Valdosta had electricity. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely want to keep them in our prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, know, know that, that uh, disaster relief workers are on top of things and are looking to get in there and help just as quickly as they can. So yeah. And always uh, go to sendrelief.org for up, updated information and a way to give and yeah. all that. Yeah, fantastic. This week, uh, we, we begin to kick off our trustees meetings. Last week, we had Guidestone. This week, we have Lifeway. And Lifeway has gotten together um, here in the Nashville area at their brand new space. Yes, it was their first trustee meeting in their new teaming space. Mm-hmm. And it's right down the road in Brentwood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is me hinting mm-hmm. to our friends at Lifeway because I've heard great things about this space and I have not seen it yet. This is me hinting that I would like to be invited down for cookies and Kool-Aid. There you go. Or something. There you go. You know, we had our Tim Cox, one of our Baptist Press reporters, to go he went, and to be yes. there. And we asked him if they sang any VBS songs. <laughs> and he no, said no. But he did say it was decorated with bright colors. And so it kind of seems maybe a little VBS-centric. Okay. And maybe that they do serve cookies and Kool-Aid for their guests. I that don't know. That would be nice. But I would like to have cookies and Kool-Aid. Yep, so. yep, yep. Trustees heard a great report from Lifeway President Ben Mandrell. Their revenue increased $30 million over last year. That's 12% increase. And a lot of that, of course, can be uh, attributed to sales of Bibles, Bible study materials, and, of course, VBS supplies. There you go. 
And he announced that the launch of their new next-gen discipleship curriculum, which is called Hi-Fi, has exceeded their expectations. Mandrell said that it will reach subscriber goals months ahead of what they had set for a schedule. I have seen some good chatter Mm -hmm. um, on Facebook about Hi-Fi. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, Sales of the Christian Standard Bible, he said, this is his quote, continue to outperform our wildest dreams. That's great. That's what he said. And Mm -hmm. it reminded me, just last week, Christianity Today had an article about the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. It's the second most popular version, even as new as it is, only just a few years old. That's great. The second most just right behind the NIV. So that's uh, his quote there made me think about that. And uh, Lifeway also announced a new senior vice president and chief revenue officer. Scott Arve comes to Lifeway from Faith Life, which is the parent company of the popular Logos Bible software. Okay. So good trustee meeting there at Lifeway. Okay, very good. Uh, some big news for Missouri Baptists mm-hmm. that we Kentucky Baptists are very proud of. And that Maybe is sad about a little bit. Well, I don't that, know. that is true. Yeah. That is very true, too. Um, but but very excited for this new yeah, opportunity. Wes Fowler, mm-hmm. who is the senior pastor of Mayfield Baptist Church there in Mayfield, Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, will be taking over the reins from John Yates uh, as the director of the Missouri Baptist Convention. Mm. And Brandon, you as a Kentuckian are friends with Wes and know him pretty well. So I was thinking you could maybe talk about that a yeah, little bit. Yeah, so, so some... While I served at the uh, Kentucky Baptist Convention, uh, Dr. Fowler was the president of the KBC for at least one of those years, maybe a couple of those years. Um, so I had the opportunity to work with him very closely there, um, had the opportunity to to serve alongside of him um, as, gosh, just a terrible disaster came through Mayfield um, a, a year and a half ago that just leveled that, that West Kentucky town. And First Baptist Mayfield was really one of the only buildings left standing in a, in a city, a downtown, the, not just a block, but the blocks of the city. And um, so, so Wes and his family were actually in the church building. There were some others with them as the tornado passed through and killed, I think, 68 people, mm-hmm. something like that, um, as, it, as it passed through, just devastated that, that area. Um, Wes was a faithful leader through that. He had mm-hmm. been a faithful leader at at First Baptist Mayfield up to that point, and the folks loved him. Um, he, he was leading them to to reach their community in some new and unique ways. Um, he and his wife Tara just just terrific folks. But 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 we really got to see that that leadership ability in him rise mm-hmm. up to the top. I remember they, seeing they, him yeah. almost e- really everywhere right in the aftermath of that. He became sort of the leader from of the town and kind of a spokesperson. Absolutely, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was on just almost every mm-hmm. major television network show. The president came in and um, spent some time with Wes there um, as he visited that that area from the devastation. Um, obviously, this gives us an opportunity to talk about, you know, he's coming into a role that is held by John Yates, who is widely respected across the SBC, um, has served in that role for many, many years and, and done an outstanding job. And so uh, I'm, I'm sure Missouri Baptists are looking to this new young guy who mm-hmm. is coming in to to follow in those footsteps. That's and, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So so I'm sure Wes would covet your prayers and uh, Missouri Baptist would as well as as this transition and the folks at First Baptist Mayfield as they have to say goodbye to their pastor and his his uh, beautiful family as they they begin this transition. And so uh, so we're, we're again as Laura said we're excited and sorrowful all at the same time. Yeah. 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 Transitions are hard. Um, so speaking of transitions, this is a kind of a outside of a church 
specific related story. This is about our culture, Laura, mm-hmm. and this, this next story here, it's about uh, what's what's going on in the world around us. And, and a survey released this week, um, I don't know that it's shocking, but it's, right. it's it kind of sad. It does mark a transition, yeah. uh, of course, but it, it's maybe not one that we would like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, researcher Ryan Burge, he's a professor at Eastern Illinois University, but he's also an American Baptist pastor, and he's been studying Americans' views on cultural issues for a long time. And he came out with a piece earlier this week just saying that the trends are not exactly what Southern Baptists might hope. He didn't say Southern Baptists, but mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of people might hope. For, for, for instance, only 25% of people now wish to see a ban on pornography. Mm. Only 30% wish to see marijuana remain illegal. And same-sex marriage may have seen the biggest rise in support. Less than 20 years ago, only 35% of Americans were in favor. And now that number is 73%. Mm. Burge sums it up this way. He says, culture plays a bigger role in the lives of most Americans than religion. Yeah, that was a powerful sentence. Uh, Yeah, but Dan Darling, who directs the Land Center for Cultural Engagement at Southwestern Seminary, Mm -hmm. says that while it may seem like bad news or maybe discouraging, it shouldn't keep Christians from standing for their convictions. He said... Imagine if Martin Luther King Jr. had listened to the voices who told him to avoid confronting divisive cultural issues. Hmm. So if you do it with love and gently but firmly, it will bear fruit. Yeah. Maybe not politically, maybe not right away, but we shouldn't be discouraged. That's right. Don't yeah. give up hope. Yeah. Keep, keep pressing forward. Um, you can read that full story. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, surveys are hard to, to sort of met out on uh, a podcast or right. on the radio, uh, it's easier to see it in print. And so you can go there to Baptist Press and, and read that full uh, story with all the survey data that, that's in that as well. Um, I tell you, Laura, we come to this last uh, story from from this week, and uh, it's it's unique to all the others that, that we've done so far in our yes. time here in the last few minutes. But it is it is a fun. Uh, it, I it's, guess it does have a VBS connection, though. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it that's does true. have a VBS connection. That. So, so something fantastic happened in Detroit that sort of rose out of some very difficult circumstances. This is my favorite story this week. I love this story. It has it all: classic cars, Batman, and of course, a lot of people getting saved. It even has some divine intervention wow. to help bring it about. At mm-hmm. least the pastor, his explanation is That's that right. it was divine intervention. Yeah. Pastor Torian Bridges of Commonwealth of Faith Church, right outside Detroit, mm-hmm. said that the car show that his church was going to host to hold to close out their VBS was going to conflict with a nearby annual car show that's a huge car show, apparently, mm-hmm. right outside of Detroit. And everyone was telling him that his church should cancel theirs, but they didn't. And instead, rainstorms flooded out the location of the other car show. And all of those cars and car owners and all the people that were going to go to that car show came over to the church, to Commonwealth of Faith Church for their event. Mm -hmm. And so Pastor Bridges said that he thought that was divine intervention. There you go. And he preached a short evangelistic message. Mm And 246 people made decisions wow. for Christ wow. at this car show. It's fantastic. And the church has already scheduled 124 of those people to be baptized in a service September 24th. And they hope to schedule many more in the coming days. Very Bridges is a church planner with the North American Mission Board. He planted the church in 2019. 
The Baptist State Convention of Michigan supported the car show through an evangelistic grant, evangelism grant. Yeah. So I think we can say that a lot of Southern Baptists help provide fuel for a car show. Yeah, you see what I did there? There we go. Yeah. Uh, of course, because it's Detroit, Detroit, cars are a big deal. And Pastor Bridges himself has a classic 1976 Lincoln Continental. How about that? And the church's deacon chairman is restoring a 1967 Ford Mustang. Wow. So it's a pretty big deal there in Detroit. For I guess everybody has a classic car in Detroit. (laughs) Motor City. Yeah. Uh, Baptist Press reported that Batman and the Batmobile also made an appearance at the event, as did Fred Flintstone. Though the story didn't say whether he brought his car and whether or not he's ever added an engine or if he's still using his feet. <laughs> That's right. Yabba yeah. dabba do. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Very cool. So um, I I used this story on um, Good News for Today, yeah, our radio newscast. It is. Good News. It's great. Yep, yeah. Earlier this week. And as I was reading the story, all I could think of was Jan and Dean songs. For those of you who grew up and your parents <laughs> listen, still listen to the music that they grew up on from the 60s. All those classic car, you know, the Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, so many did car-related mm-hmm. songs. and um, The little old lady from Pasadena? That's her. Is that Jan and Dean? That's, yeah, yep, that's okay. yep, that's some. Um, yep, go Granny, go Granny, <laughs> go, go. Granny, go. That's her. So, all right. Well, with that segue, we will transition to George Schroeder, and we are so glad to have him on the program as he talks about his new podcast as this college football season kicks off. So, George, thanks for joining us on SBC This Week. Yeah, Brandon, first, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, it's always fun. I'm a longtime listener of SBC this week, and I, uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to be on. It's, it's odd. Let me say one thing before we even get started. It's, it's odd that you're going to talk to me about a podcast on a podcast. Is there a little inception kind of feeling going on there? I, mean, <laughs> I think it's, so. It's a little weird. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the podcast is Gridiron and the Gospel of Faith in College Football podcast. Uh, Brad Edwards, former ESPN um, college football analyst, both on the TV side and most notably he did uh, their college game day radio side for years and years and years. He called me about uh, eight months ago, 10 months ago, maybe, and just said, hey, you know, I know you're a Christ follower. We've never really gotten to know each other very well, but I'm a, I'm a Christian as well. What do you think about? is there something we could do together? And of course, my background was before God called me into ministry, um, I, I covered college football for USA Today. And so we knew of each other. And, and from that, over a series of months and different conversations, grew this idea, what if we could do something that a podcast together that we could talk about college football and hopefully bring some insight and maybe some entertainment as well, because we love college football. And we know there are a lot of people out there who love college football but could also talk about the gospel and talk about the, the faith that we both share in Jesus. Because I, I just said that we love college football. Man, we love Jesus a bazillion times more. The mm-hmm. idea of even comparing college football to a love for God is, um, you know, is, is it, it feels a little weird to do that. But for that reason, we were like, why can't we do both? Mm-hmm. And, and, And we weren't sure we could, but we said, let's try it and let's see what happens. And so Gridiron and the Gospel is sort of the result of that. And, you know, we're really excited about it and hope people are enjoying it. Yeah. And so we're about a month in, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, Mm -hmm. And and this is obviously a big weekend for college football fans. This is uh, going into Labor Day weekend. This is the kickoff weekend, really kind of traditionally for college football 
Um, and so we're, we're hoping lots of people are going to um, tune in to the podcast and, and really start following it now that the season is rolling. Um, talk about that faith aspect. What, what do you hope will be accomplished through that? What, what, what are you guys trying to uh, accomplish through the guests, through the conversations that, that you're having in that? Well, let me say this. So we just we set up the format and formats can change, right? We just but we thought this would work. First half, we're going to talk about college football and we're going to have various guests who can talk about college football. And sometimes we won't have guests because hopefully Brad and I know enough about college football to talk about Mm -hmm. what happened last week, what will happen this week and sort of the big picture thing. But then the second half, you know, obviously we're kind of playing off the idea of halves in a football game is, is about faith. It's 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 the gospel it's topics related to faith and sometimes they tie into football and sometimes they don't i mean i think probably more often than not somehow there'll be some tie um and the idea is what's god doing in our hearts brad brad edwards heart my heart um what's he teaching us Uh, and then what what what's he taught a guest that we may have Mm -hmm. about this aspect of following christ or that aspect of following christ and maybe it relates to football again, and maybe it doesn't. And I'll give you an example. So the current podcast that's up right now, you know, go go check it out your favorite podcast platform, and mm-hmm. please subscribe and give us tremendously favorable reviews. <laughs> that's right. You know, I, not that I'm asking you to do that, but um, Mike Sanford most is a longtime college football assistant coach, and mm-hmm. so unless you're a Western Kentucky fan, maybe you don't know him. But that's he's been right. on the offensive side of the ball. He mm-hmm. was a head coach at Western Kentucky for two seasons. He was, that's as right. As the youngest, youngest head coach at the FBS level. Mm-hmm. Most recently was the offensive coordinator at Colorado. And then when they fired their coach, Carl Durrell, five games, five losses into the season last year, they elevated uh, Mike to um, interim head coach. And so then when Deion Sanders was hired, this is kind of not unexpected. Mike wasn't retained. Right. And he decided to step away from coaching instead of jumping back onto the carousel. And and we talked with Mike on both halves, the first half college football, second half faith. And he shared a vibrant, growing faith in Jesus that has fueled his uh, former career mm. and is sort of motivating his purpose for what he may do completely different you know, change directions going forward. And I kind of resonated with that because I used to cover sports. Yeah. And then suddenly God called me into ministry. And I don't know where God's calling Mike, but we talked about his faith. And it was, I hope the listeners would enjoy it. Please check it out. But I'm just telling you, just me uh, getting a chance to get to know Mike a little bit. And we knew each other from my former career and his former career. But getting to know him a little bit, um, and then hearing his heart on the podcast was such a tremendous encouragement to me. So you asked me a short question to give you the long answer. Um, I would finish by just saying this, Brandon, we hope that people maybe come to listen about college football and then hear about Jesus, real faith in a real savior. And I, you know, I will tell you this, that happened in uh, at least this week with Mike Sanford telling us his story. Uh, and so it's not always going to be the personal story and the, how I came to Christ and that kind of thing. Um, but quite often it will be. And, and it's just exciting to have that opportunity to, to, to share our love for Jesus with listeners, with guests, like guests do that too. And so my hope is you come for college football, you stay through the, uh, through the second half and hear about faith. And then maybe some people come to, to, to know Jesus or are encouraged to walk more closely with him. That's our hope. 
that's really what we want. All right, Laura. So we are pumped up about the college football season. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to talk to George about the Georgia Bulldogs, but I hesitated um, because I didn't want them to overshadow the Florida Gators. Oh, well, I appreciate that, Brandon. You're very welcome. We and Gator Nation, thank you. That's right. Both of you. Uh, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, man. We'll probably get emails about that. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, anyway. Okay. So earlier in, in SBC this week, we teased this next little segment, our history segment, um, where they were keeping a close watch on water in church baptistries just a few decades ago. you got to tell yes, us more about so that. So Pastor Bridges in Detroit might want to keep this in mind That's when right. he baptizes all of these people from the car show. Yeah. So 50 years ago this week, August of 1973, mm-hmm. a gentleman by the name of Joseph Bestowish, I think it's how you say his okay. name. He was a Southern Baptist, and he was also the director of Metro Health Department here in Nashville. Okay. And health officials in Nashville were alarmed by visions of bacteria and green slime, and they initiated a water sampling survey of Nashville area church baptistries. Uh, Dr. Bestowish said, it has come to my attention that some churches empty baptistries only once every month or two. So his staff inspectors were going to test for disease-bearing bacteria in a representative sample of baptistries and check the walls of the pool to determine whether slime had accumulated there. And uh, he said, unless baptistries are hand-chlorinated and have circulation and filtration systems, they should be emptied after every baptismal service. Mm. Now, my church does empty the baptismal every time we use it. I think probably most churches do. Do they clean it? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, but maybe they didn't do that 50 years ago. Maybe they just okay. left the water in there. So I, I do know. have some questions. Okay. All right. So for for him to be willing to announce this publicly, I mean, was it like a widespread it's, outbreak? It, see, well, the story doesn't really say, but it kind of seems like it, he was worried about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's question number one. Um, and I guess number two is not so much a a question as much as it was an observation. So, so when the churches I've been a part of leave the baptistry full. The thing that I worried about most was the bugs that, that would get in there. And you have somebody in the baptistry with you as pastor. I was getting ready to baptize them. And all of a sudden there's a floating cricket over in the corner or something oh, like that. So I mean, you just need one of those little skimming tools that you have for the pool. Yeah. And like clear off the bugs off the top. Yeah. But yeah. really ideally you should just empty it every time and fill it back up again. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's tips from Laura. Yeah. On, no slime in the baptistry. On how That's to keep gross. your baptistry sanitary. How about yes. that? <laughs> All right. right. Well, listen, we thank you so much for listening to SBC this week. I want to remind you again about our uh, sponsoring partners here, uh, The Hill. A true life story of professional baseball player Ricky Hill, who grew up poor in small town Texas, but goes on, overcomes the odds and a degenerative spinal disease. So many things uh, working against him, but uh, works through them all to overcome and try out for a major league scout, ending up in the big leagues. The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn, is a true inspirational movie about family, faith, and a baseball miracle, and it is playing at a theater near you right now. Um, Also, want to remind you about a brand new sponsor we have, and that is Subsplash. Pastors always looking for ways to engage their church and build connections beyond just when they get together over the weekend. Uh, One of the valuable tools that SBC churches have found for doing that is Subsplash. Subsplash allows your community to access messages, resources, 
and even give from one place. It also allows church leaders to equip their folks by connecting with their congregations in ways that you could not not have done before. Subsplash is so much more than just a church software. It brings people together, empowering, giving, fostering discipleship, and even helping in the transformation of lives. If you're interested in learning more, go to subsplash.com forward slash SBC. You'll receive a discount when you set up a demo, get information by going to subsplash.com forward slash SBC. So, Laura, we want to thank folks for listening here Mm -hmm. to this second opportunity we've had to host SBC this week. Yep, we are about to do our third episode next week. So we are gaining on Jonathan and Amy. That's right. Look out. It's a tortoise in the hair. That's right. That's right. They can see us in their rearview mirror, I'm sure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Far, far, far back there. That's right. Thanks so much for listening to SBC this week. 